Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Brick and Elm Magazine, the new hyper-local print magazine I launched in May with my publishing partner, Michelle McCaffrey. We are finishing up our September-October issue right now, and it's our biggest issue to date. So if you're a dedicated listener of this podcast, I really encourage you to also subscribe to Brick and Elm. It's just $34.99 a year for our print issues, which come directly to your house. And this isn't any slim 36-page magazine either. Our July-August issue was 100 pages. The one you'll get in September will be even bigger than that. It's all local people, local stories, local advertisers. It's even printed here in Amarillo. To subscribe, visit brickandelm.com. And as part of this podcast's partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout out to Education Credit Union with locations in Amarillo, Canyon, and Bushland. Learn more at educationcu.com. Today's guest is Tracy Mahana. Tracy is a Texas licensed acupuncturist and herbalist. She's been here in Amarillo for 15 years and was actually one of the first licensed acupuncturists in the panhandle. She's a graduate of the Texas College of Traditional Chinese Medicine in Austin. She was one of the co-founders of the Garden of Natural Health before opening her own acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic last year. In that capacity, she's been serving patients in Amarillo uh, for a long time. And we talk about her path into acupuncture, how it can be useful for managing pain and stress, and why an alternative medicine practice has been able to find success here in Amarillo. Here's Tracy Mahana. Tracy Mahana, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks Thank for being you. here. I'm glad to have you on the show. I know there's a lot for us to talk about, but I want to start with you in the same place I start with all my guests and just ask how you ended up here. So how did you end up coming to the Amarillo area? Well, I grew up in Panhandle. It's about 30 miles from here. Went preschool through graduation over there. And so very rooted in the area big okay. time. Um, of course, like most people in the area, I just wanted to get away. So I ran off and went to school in Denton, came back for a couple of years, then went to school in Austin. And when I got to Austin, I discovered this whole other dimension and reality of Chinese medicine and was very intrigued and jumped in. And so I got to um, pra- finish school there, get my master's degree there, and then practice in Austin for about a year. But it's very flooded with many, many acupuncturists. Okay, yeah. And so um, I got pregnant and thought, you know, this is time to go home back to the village and came back in 2006. So was Amarillo. that back to Panhandle or was that to Amarillo? Very much to Amarillo. Okay. Yeah, my parents had moved to Amarillo at that point because the kids had graduated and they always had worked in Amarillo, but drove back and forth. So I came back to Amarillo in 2006. Okay. So we just covered a lot of territory in that that brief synopsis, which was a good job because you, you covered a lot of years without too much rambling. So that I always appreciate that. Let's talk about, first of all, getting out of Panhandle. Um, you were, were you someone who wanted to leave all that behind, uh, once you got to like, you know, graduated from high school, you wanted to get out of the small town. Was, was that kind of, your I was goal? very ready to get out of the small town. I think growing up, I definitely knew I was a little bit different mm-hmm. and I was, I could be a chameleon and kind of weave in and out of different groups of people. 
but knew that something about my perspective of the world was a little bit different and I needed to get out and see what else was out there. Didn't quite fit in maybe. Yeah. Or just definitely thought outside the box and did things outside the box that, you know, probably weren't, you know, accepted as much in that community. And so I had to go away and heal that aspect of myself by just leaving and discovering what else was out there. It's easy in a smaller town environment like that to stand out when you're just the slightest bit different from everybody else. Very much so. I definitely have always claimed the black sheep label okay. in that community. Like you haven't been assigned it. You've claimed it for I've yourself. claimed it. You're happily the black definitely. sheep. Definitely. And I'm claiming the only acupuncturist that has graduated from Panhandle. Okay. Too. That's, I mean, that's probably noteworthy. <laughs> um, did, did you intend to come back here like was the idea you're going to escape and you know make your way in austin or or whatever did 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 it feel like returning home as a choice or was it returning home this is not what i planned i loved austin there were beautiful people the culture was beautiful the open-mindedness was beautiful it it opened its arms accepted me and i had the most amazing time there and i would have stayed forever But there was a point in the journey that I had finished school and was trying to practice and was still having to wait tables to even Mm -hmm. make ends meet and pay for my space that I was renting to do the acupuncture out of. And I got pregnant and it was a one night stand and he was not interested in continuing a family with me. And so I felt like I had no choice. Okay. So it was very emotional to leave because I really thought that was my home and that's where I wanted to be, but I didn't have the support system I needed to stay to have a baby. So I came back to Amarillo to be with my parents to help me have a baby. Which is a choice I think, you know, a lot of people have made. Um, and I've rarely heard somebody say, yeah, that was a bad choice. Right. You know, that, it is a good choice to raise your kids around a family and a mm-hmm. support system, wherever that might be. Exactly. I, I'd like to talk a little bit before we move into the, the acupuncture side about growing up in Panhandle and sort of the relationship that you had with Amarillo at that point. Because I know being, you know, not that far away, it's it's easy to come into town, whether it's for doctor's appointments or shopping or to go to a big movie theater or something like that. I mean, was was that something that your family did pretty regularly? Um, it was a big treat to come to Amarillo, okay. that's for sure. Because we would also run to Borger to go to Walmart or run to Pampa. Right. And so, because those were a little bit quicker and easier. And if we were coming to Walmart and Amarillo, we would go to Grand Street. So we didn't come all the way in. Okay. So um, maybe for school shopping or if we had a doctor's appointment, like you said, but it it was a treat to come over here. I remember eating at the Golden Corral being like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, but other than that, we didn't, I can't remember doing a whole lot over here. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, you didn't view it as, as the promised land, the, the place you were going to go once you escaped Panhandle. You were Never. looking bigger like Austin. Very much so. Okay. So tell me how you found your way into, you know, something like acupuncture, which I can imagine was, was not something you would have encountered um, in Panhandle, especially, you know, a couple of decades ago you know, when, when you were a kid there. So, so tell me how that happened. This is a common asked question. So there's almost a spiel to it. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to try to (laughs) weave this into a story. Um, I graduated and went to Denton for a year, went to Amarillo college for a couple of years and found myself in a place of 
they're not telling me everything. Something is going on here and there's something missing to the picture because I was taking a lot of science classes, okay. biology, chemistry. Were you headed towards a certain career? I at was that point? headed into science and I actually okay. kind of wanted to do maybe some DNA type of working in a lab. Okay. And that was cool. what was interesting me. But I had a spiritual awakening happen right about 20 years old. I was in the middle of having this love that was being lost and working and waiting tables and feeling very ungrounded and looking for what I needed to do. So one of my best friends from Panhandle was like, let's move to Austin. And I was like, okay, let's get out of here. So we went to Austin and I didn't have any plans for school in mind, but I started having gallbladder attacks. I needed to get back in school for my health insurance. So I went to Austin Community College Finished up there, had so many hours in community college that I had to figure out what was next. And so I started praying about it. And I was just like, hey, universe, God, like, mm-hmm. show me where you want me to go because I am not just going to go to school just to do it. Or just to have health insurance. Just, yeah. That's such a weird it reason was, to go to school. Exactly. Anyway. So I, I just really started asking for some guidance. And literally, almost immediately, I had three signs in one week. One was a friend at work that had had acupuncture. She was telling me about it. I remember her telling me about it, but not knowing what she was talking about. But later on realized that's what she was talking about. Another sign was I heard a commercial on the radio. I only heard that commercial one time and never heard it again, but it was advertising this cool school. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. The third sign was when I was driving home from work one day, the school was literally a walking distance in blocks from my apartment in Austin. Okay. And so that was three in one week. And I was like, okay. So of course I inquired, they told me it was how much it cost to go to school there. I dismissed it immediately. Then they told me student loans would pay for it. So then I opened back up to it. I went to the open house and immediately walking through the door was like, this is what I want to learn about. Hmm. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. I just thought this is something that sounds cool to learn about. And it was the herb room full of all these raw Chinese herbs and this Chinese culture. I'd never been around, you know, raised in Panhandle. I wasn't around very much culture diversity. So I felt that tingle inside and knew right away that's what I wanted to do just from the tingle. So, of course, when I told my parents that I was going to go to Chinese medicine school to become an acupuncturist in the year 2000, I was going to start school in 2002 in January. They thought I had lost my mind and I was on another one of my wild tangents. It was not received well until I came home from school for a little two week break and they were both having sciatic pain and I experimented what I had learned on them and it went away. And then from that point forward, they've been fans. (laughs) Right. So that's, that's interesting to me because at at this point, I mean, 2021 acupuncture is not typically dismissed immediately. I mean, the, the FDA says it works. WebMD says it works. I mean, it's, it's something that's much more accepted within the scientific community. 20 years ago, that wasn't always the case. And and it had probably like these cultural attachments for a lot of people of like, it's some sort of Eastern mysticism or there's some sort of, you know, weird voodoo going on, you know? Um, So tell me a little bit, like what, what kind of background did you come out of maybe in, in terms of growing up religion, that kind of stuff? Like, did you have to overcome any of that? Did any of that feel like a barrier when you were first getting interested? I don't remember feeling a barrier with that because 
of that kind of black sheep open-mindedness okay. that was very natural for me. You didn't have like a box that, that you needed to break out of, really? No, I had already kind of broken out of it. And then I had had friends that had started breaking me out of it early in my, you know, early years. And I did come from a Christian um, background raising. I was grew up Church of Christ. Didn't go regularly, but that was the church that was um, the most exposed to me. And I didn't resonate a whole lot with what I had taken from them. But because of that spiritual awakening, creating that shift of something's got to change and there's mm-hmm. something more out there, um, I was still very much like into my Christian belief system. Well, and you were praying. I mean, you were asking for God. I was praying too, and I was very much into that deeply. And I can say that starting Chinese medicine school exposed me to more because from Panhandle, I thought you were either Christian or a devil worshiper. I didn't know there was anything in between or Mm -hmm. outside of that. And I met the most amazing Buddhist woman at school who took me in and taught me all of her techniques from China of fire cupping and was the most loving, caring, kind, open-hearted woman I had ever met. And that was the big, there's (laughs) something more than what I have learned. So I don't feel like I really had to break out of the box, but naturally it was like water on a seed that bursted me open into all the potential possibilities that were out there that I was never aware of. Okay, And which is to say that, I mean, acupuncture may have roots in, um, in Chinese culture and religious attachments, you know, deep in that culture. Yoga may have roots in Hinduism, but they're not explicitly religious practices. Um, and the reason that they are effective is physical stuff that happens, you know, that it might be divorced from, from whatever spiritualism is attached to it. And I do feel that they're not connected to the religious attachments, but they do have a spiritual connection. So they open people up to experiencing their spirit and that deeper core part of themselves that is just pure bliss and love and um, without all the the doctrine and the mm-hmm. do's and don'ts and the guilt and the shame. So I feel that yoga and Chinese medicine allow people to tap into that spiritual aspect of themselves without maybe some of their earlier um, baggage, baggage yeah. with it. And I think that's partially why it's so successful because – when you only try to treat the body physically, then you're only getting one aspect of the whole self. And holistic medicine, which I consider Chinese medicine to be one of the pieces of the holistic medicine, treats all the aspects of the self. It treats the physical, it treats the mental, it treats the emotional, it treats the spiritual, Mm -hmm. and it treats the sexual aspect. And each one of those aspects are equal. Not one is greater than the other. They all have to be in balance. And so that's part of what I feel like these systems that have been around thousands of years offer because they do offer healing outside of just the physical aspect. So tell me about that initial attraction. You know, once you're, you're coming from, you know, a small town background, limited exposure to other cultures, other religious systems. You'd been asking for a sign, discovered this this acupuncture school. Once you got into it, like, how did you know, okay, this is the thing. This is what I'm going to do with my life. What, what about that really 
captivated you? I feel like when I took chemistry, I was taught about the electrons and the protons and the neutrons. So nobody mentioned that there was this space about anything about the space in between the electrons and the protons and the neutrons that were holding it into this perfect order, into this perfect choreography. Okay. And that in me, I was like, something else is going on that science doesn't know about. And I want to find out what that is. Well, then when I went to Chinese medicine school, it was like, it's called chi. Hmm. They had a very clear definition for it. And so it had a definition for all that space that I was curious about and wondering about. That was sort of a light bulb moment for Big you. Big light bulb moment okay. of like, this is it. And I didn't know, I had never had acupuncture. I didn't really know anything about acupuncture before the day I started school. So that was a big uh, experience for me to go, wow, there's this thing that I've never known about and it, and it resonates with every cell of my body to be truth hmm. and to have this power that I've been looking for of just standing in my own power and learning how to take control of my own personal well-being and health. And I was 22 years old when I, or tw 21, about to turn 22 when I started school. So it was a really perfect age for me to be introduced to this holistic mindset. Tell me, you know, I, I'm thinking of, um, of maybe like your parents who were skeptics and you, you did some ac acupuncture on them and it, it helped them. And, and you'll have people who hear the concept of chi and they just like tune out. They're like, I don't want to talk about that, but does it work? You know? And, and so, so tell me from like the, physical nervous system kind of perspective like like what is acupuncture actually doing for it to be a, a therapy that's a legitimate therapy that's something that does work even if you take the the mysticism side out of it or for people that don't even believe in that and don't want to believe in that you know right so number one i feel like just the testimony of thousands of years of existence and jumping over the ocean and hitting really any country now has that available is one part of it. But, you know, the chi aspect is part of the magic of it. So that's one of the reasons why it works, because we're tapping into this electrical force that is the force that's pumping the heart, that's moving the blood, that is the electricity that is powering our system, our body. It's It's been really effective for people with chronic pain, you know, that, that may be traditional medicine, whether it's, you know, over-the-counter pain relievers or prescription strength pain relievers like like hasn't helped um I, I wonder if you have any stories without like going into patient details or anything like that but talk to me about some of the people that, that you've been able to help well some people are not able to take pain medication because of the side effects they have from it and there's a lot of pain that western medicine doesn't even know how to diagnose and doesn't know where it's coming from and their only treatment is medication but obviously the medication is just masking the pain and band-aiding the pain. It's okay. not like it's taking the stagnation away or taking the inflammation away. I mean, an anti-inflammatory can help with that, but yeah, it's um, not taking away what's causing the pain. It's exactly. just, you're not feeling it. As and much. so a lot of people are looking for why is this, why my body is feeling this way. And Western medicine is not equipped with all of those aspects of the self to be able to identify all the time. And so most of the time their answer is medication and medication can have a lot of different 
effects on people. The pain is a message from the body. Mm -hmm. So it's really just about listening to what your body is trying to message you. And I am a person that can help you interpret that. A lot of my clientele are regulars that come on a regular basis because it boosts their immune system. They quit getting those reoccurring colds and flus. Um, It helps them not have to take the pain medication if they come more regularly because it keeps everything moving. And stress is extremely, um, is an extreme reason why we have a lot of our chronic pain. It's that emotional, mental stress that we are putting on our body. And that's why it's hard to diagnose under a physical microscope. And this is something that literally goes in there and helps with creating a peace of mind, moves that stagnation that's caused from stress, relaxes the body and allows the body to really go into that meditative mind space so that it can recharge and heal itself. We don't take time to just stop and heal. We take time to maybe sleep, but that's a, you know, particular theta delta wave that, you right. know, meditation um, doesn't, you know, meditation covers a whole other level. And this is a modality that helps calm your mind and your body enough to get you into that meditative space to just recharge and let your body find where it needs to heal and help help it heal. Tell me about operating a an acupuncture practice here in Amarillo. I mean, a lot of things have changed, but this is still a relatively conservative place when it comes to Eastern medicine or, um, you know, politics, religion, all those different things. And have you had to struggle to, to find clients or is it, is it working? Has, has Amarillo come far enough, you know, in the past 20 years that it's, it's possible to, to be successful here? Well, I started here in 2006 and it has grown a lot since then because like you said, it's a lot more acceptable now. You see it in media, um, Phelps with the swim team, I think in 2016, he, yeah, when he was cupping, Mm -hmm. everybody had those circular bruises. So there's a lot more talk about it. And I'm sure with social media and just the internet, we have a lot more access to the information about it. So it's, extremely much more acceptable than it was when I first got to town. Um, I started with a small clinic that I took over from Shelly Bills, who had the acupuncture clinic, and she had passed away from cancer. And so I took over her clinic. And um, a couple years after that, I partnered up with my best friend and started the Garden of Natural Health. Mm -hmm. And we had like a holistic wellness place. And we did that for 10 years successfully and had a really amazing experience with that. But two weeks before COVID hit, my landlord came in, wanted to go up on our rent. So the door opened to make a change. And I felt strongly like it was time to go out on my own because I had spent my 30s in a group. And in April, April 28th of 2020, I moved to downtown on 7th Street and started the acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic. And I can say that the move with COVID was challenging Mm -hmm. because COVID was just challenging for anybody that was working close one-on-one with people. But I was able to be considered essential because I'm helping medical care with people. So I continued to see patients, but had a decrease of, of, um, clientele until about July of 2020. And I have been extremely busy since then. And I can even say that now that things have started opening up more since the spring, 
what I've been telling people is if you're in the feel good business, you are busy right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I am in the feel good business. So I am very busy and booked out like two weeks at the moment. And I see about 40 or 45 patients a week. Are you still like, I know you were one of the first licensed acupuncturists uh, in this area. Is, is that still the case? I mean, is, is there anybody so. else coming around? Or? We have, um, I want to say we've got about three at the moment outside of me. And, um, but I have been licensed for 16 years. Okay. So I've, I've definitely got a few more years. And I think a area. lot of people have have heard of that or they thought of that, you know, you have to be a licensed cosmetologist, you have to be a licensed massage therapist, but, but maybe have not thought of it in the world of acupuncture. Obviously it makes sense, but like tell people what, what you have to go through in order to be licensed. I mean, well, you have to get a master's degree and once you attain your master's degree, you have to do about, uh, you have to do quite a bit of hours of internship in the clinic. And then you have to take medical boards through the state. Mm -hmm. Once you pass all of your medical boards and you only get three tries, and this is even an herbology medical board where all the herbs are in Chinese. So it's, it's quite a bit. Um, then you apply for a license through the medical board in the state of Texas, the state, same medical board that doctors have to apply to get their license. And I have to reapply every two years and have about 34 hours of continuing education and, pay a nice little bill to mm-hmm. keep my license every two years. So I am licensed through the medical board through the state. And it, and it was quite a journey getting there. But once you get in there and you, you just can reapply and keep up with your continuing education and it's good. Was it a, was it a good decision to go out on your own to start your own practice, even though it was in the middle of COVID and it's, you know, definitely a challenging time, but. Um, I can say that I have been, grateful to have a life experience where there's been a greater source than me taking care of me. So, um, I chose to go out on my own. I found a place that the doctor was leaving and he paid my rent through July and that was before COVID even got here. So Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. So I didn't have to start paying rent at that place till July. Then COVID hit. So the three months that it was really intense with, we don't know what's going on. I didn't have to pay rent at this place. So that was a huge blessing and gift. Um, So that was a huge confirmation that I made the right decision. And then at the end of October, my business partner at the garden went to sleep and did not wake up. So she passed. So my best friend and business partner of 10 years didn't go past October. So that was another huge like gratitude that I made that transition at that exact moment mm-hmm. and um, confirmation that I did exactly what I needed to do. And I'm not in business with anybody at my new space, but I do, my husband has an art gallery in my space. And so it's now it's kind of our place and he has the invisible genie arts gallery in one of the rooms at my space downtown. And that's been really amazing to get to work around. And that's a, that's an arrangement I've heard more and more of, um, sort of this collaboration between, you know, the, the art community, the therapy community, you know, finding those places where, you know, like it, you talk about the, the holistic process of healing, that it's not just physical stuff, that there's all these different components to it. And, and I've heard more and more with, with you, with uh, my friends who've opened Kalichi that has a therapy aspect to it, that it's... Um, we're, we're hearing more of that and that's becoming more common to, mm-hmm. to integrate those things. And it's interesting getting to work around it daily and see people's different perspectives of the art and hear their, um, you know, critiques and 
their interest and they're not, they don't like this. And, and I work with my mom, she's my receptionist. And it's interesting when we have a new show come in, she'll be like, I don't really like this stuff because it's a <laughs> lot of contemporary art. And by the end of the two months, when the next show is about to come up, she loves it. She's showing it to my patients who are waiting in the waiting room and she's learned some about it. So it's been a really good art education too for people that maybe wouldn't see art because they don't do that kind of thing, but they're coming for the acupuncture. And so Mm -hmm. they're getting exposed to it through that realm. Tell me about running a small business in Amarillo. Initially, you said that it was a little bit too crowded in Austin and you were able to come. One thing that I've, I've discussed with my guests several times is that Amarillo is small enough that you can be the first person to do something here, mm-hmm. maybe the first acupuncturist or, or whatever that might be. I mean, what have you discovered about the, the business community here? Well, I have not hardly done any advertisement and I am extremely busy. And so I feel like Amarillo is really beneficial for businesses because word of mouth is like fire around here. I mean, it spreads like fire. If somebody loves what you're doing, they're going to go tell 10 people and those 10 people are going to be like, Hey, I want to go check that out. And so I have had a lot of success being in Amarillo. I feel that it, I am extremely grateful that I ended up having to move back up here and the community is just a really loving and supportive and open hearted community. I mean, there's a lot of differences in beliefs, you know, as far as like what I see in my clinic, I've got a lot of extremes over here to extremes over there. Right. But, um, it just has, I, I because I'm from the area, I've learned to be able to just hold that space for everybody and right. all of their perspectives and beliefs and, and aspects of what they see the world as. So I think it's an amazing place to have a business and because it's such a supportive community. Have you seen it change a lot since you've been here in the past 15 years? I have seen it change a lot. I feel that um, in the beginning, it was more conservative and it was more closed-minded. And I have watched, I wouldn't, maybe just my generation, you know, all moving back, we like the cliche place, you know, we, well, they're a little bit younger, but um, just seeing how these business ideas and these outside of the box free thinkers are opening up and, and making themselves known and not being fearful of how people are going to receive that, you know. And I love the story of whether we're talking about Kalichi, whether we're talking about you, of people that, that move out of here and that go to a place like Austin and are exposed to new things and then come back here and bring some of that with them. Mm-hmm. And, and that leads to growth and that leads to expansion here. Definitely. Um, which, you know, we, we tell the story about we want, we want all of our talent to stay here in Amarillo, which I, I agree with. But I do think it's good for people to leave Amarillo and to be exposed to new things. And then when they come back, they're bringing this new life, this new vigor, these new ideas to the city. And I, I think you're, you're, you're part of that. And I wonder if you've seen that, um, you know, with, with other people. I have seen that with other people. And I have to say that Austin definitely watered my seed and helped me expand and see that there were so much more possibilities than I could have ever imagined. But I've done the majority of my healing and growth right here in Amarillo with the people here. There's such amazing people in this community that are really all about the heart and helping support growth and expansion and healing and so um, I have to say I got more. I've, I've really received more from Amarillo than I did receive from Austin. And I think Austin's a different place than it was 15 years ago, too.
This episode of Hey Amarillo is brought to you by my friends at the WT Enterprise Center, which this summer celebrated its 20th year of helping local entrepreneurs build great companies. I spent several years as a mentor with the Enterprise Center. I'm also an entrepreneur myself with Brick and Elm. And the support and encouragement expertise they offer is just invaluable to this community. So let's say you have a business idea, but you're not sure where to start. Or you have an existing business, but you're going through some growing pains. You're overwhelmed by things like funding or marketing or the HR side of things. Well, the experts at the Enterprise Center can help coach you through every step in the process and connect you with the right resources to address whatever problems you have and grow your business. Learn more at WTEnterpriseCenter.com. Okay, I'm back with Tracy Mahana. Tracy, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes the fossilized skull of a triceratops, which would have been about 25 feet long and weighed up to eight tons. I I don't think we ever understand how enormous some of those dinosaurs were. Uh, But you can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, first question, and this is one I've been asking most of my guests recently. What's one thing 2020 revealed to you about local people? I mean, you were in the thick of it. You were dealing with patients as the city started to open back up, you're one-on-one, very close. I mean, how how did that go for you? Well, 2020 didn't just have the pandemic. It had the election as well. So it was a really intense year for me in my practice. I can say in all my years of practicing, that was the hardest year. And not just because of the COVID situation and having to follow all these extreme regulations with cleanliness, but people were very charged for many reasons, the black lives movement, the election. Um, And so I can say that I feel like what I learned about our community in 2020 is we need more community and we need more love. You know, I think everybody just needs a lot more love and a lot more support systems and community. We're a wonderful, loving heart filled town, but we don't have a lot of let's get together and work together other than church. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like what I learned was we just need more support and love in this community. I've, I've talked to some medical practitioners who said they definitely saw physical impact on people that they, who they treated, you know, in 2020 because of the pandemic, because of all the stress, election, all that stuff. I mean, was, was that similar for you dealing Very. with anxieties and, and helping to alleviate extreme a lot of Extreme anxieties, extreme insomnia, extreme digestive issues, fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was, it was a very extreme year and I'm grateful that I got to help a lot of people get through it. Has that relaxed a little bit? Very much so. I mean, it was literally after the election. Okay. There, there was like a major wave. And so I know that that definitely caused a lot of extra intensity to what people were experiencing on top of the COVID because I noticed a major shift after that. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. What does this area have too much of? I think the area has too many feed yards with cows standing close to each other waiting to die. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a lot and you can smell it when it's wet outside. And when you drive by it, you're just feel the sinking in your belly. I just think we have all this land and we need more free range and, you know, more care to our animals. So are you vegan or vegetarian? Not at the moment. I have flowed in and out of that, and it feels really good to mm-hmm. be 
but as a mother of three children and then, you know, a 41 year old woman, I have to honor what my body's needs are more than anything, but I'm fair. I don't eat beef and pork and I'm really clean with my meat when I do eat it. So it's complicated living in a place like Amarillo because you know that that side of agriculture has such influence you know, and, and it's such a big part of like the story, the history of Amarillo, the, the economy, all those things. Um, and, and so for someone, you know, like yourself, who maybe sees a feed yard and has a sinking feeling um, that there's there's also like you can't just take that away either, uh, that, that there are larger societal, cultural, economic shifts, you know, that have to happen if you're thinking about animal welfare and, you know, how we feed people. I mean, Amarillo feeds the world with its beef. Well, and even how our bodies respond to what we're eating and health wise, you know, I mean, I definitely feel there's, we take in what they experience when we eat them. Hmm. And so I think that's why it triggers me a little bit extra when I see the way that they are, you know, waiting for their death to be eaten by somebody that's going to take that in. Yeah, there's something to be said for <laughs> at least eating thoughtfully. Eating thoughtfully. Uh, you know, Even just giving that cow some gratitude yeah. for like choosing that experience while they were here for that short amount of time. We're so far from the days when you used to go out and shoot a deer and eat that deer that you shot and, that, and you pro- processed yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, we're just so divorced from that reality. We but just everything is up. a cycle. So if we don't bring awareness to it, how are we going to get back to honoring our, yeah. our, our animals that we eat? Okay. What does this area not have enough of? This area does not have enough amazing live music and dance parties. Okay. We need not more... just live music, but live music and dance parties. Yeah. We need really great live music and we need some really amazing dance parties because dancing is so healing. And I have taken it upon myself to throw a dance party uh-huh. multiple years in a row with my best friend who passed. And I mean, they're so received and they're so needed and they're so wonderful, but it's just people don't do it enough here. That's a unique answer. I've heard, I've heard the live music side. Nobody has said we need more dance parties. We need more so dancing. I appreciate that. <laughs> How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? I describe Amarillo as it's a very, you know, conservative country community, but it has the most amazing underground free thinkers and artists and healers and just beautiful people. So we are very yin and yang. We've got a, a really well balance of left and right. Okay. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? Well, my favorite street, I have to say, would be Sunset Terrace because it's a perfect circle. Yeah. And not very many streets do that. And it goes by Sam Houston Park, mm-hmm. which is an amazing park. And we have beautiful trees that are old. And um, there's like four of the Dynamite Museum signs on Sunset Tara, so that's by far my favorite. I love that neighborhood. It's one of the most architecturally interesting neighborhoods in Amarillo. It's I live in that neighborhood, and my house is built in 1926. Was it a Guy Carlander design? I'm not no? sure. I haven't gotten that detailed. He's the architect who designed a lot of the buildings downtown, a lot of the old buildings, um, and was also the developer of Sunset Terrace Community. Well, and did so he do some stucco? Of his, some of his houses, yeah, are yeah. in that area. Probably the most influential architect in Amarillo history. Wow. So that's very cool. What's your favorite local restaurant? I have to say Sushi House. That's who I support really? the most. Okay. Yeah, we're we're big Sushi House supporters. So I I love that they made it through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I supported them greatly through the pandemic, and 
and they made it work and they're, it's very comfortable and it's in a great location and it's great food. Yeah. I've, I've eaten there maybe once or twice. Um, but that's one of those restaurants that hasn't been mentioned a lot on this show. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I'm not a big coffee drinker, but I do love roasters on Georgia when I want to like get into a book or study something and just sit and kind of do my thing. So I'm a big roasters on Georgia fan. Last question is when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? I believe the last time I visited was in 2018. I was pregnant with my last kid and we went and did some pictures out there. My husband is a big fan of all that stuff. And so we stay pretty connected. Yeah. I know he's connected to the dynamite museum and chronicling. He has been cataloging the signs for many, many years. And he probably has a bigger catalog than anybody, anybody. Yeah. He knows every sign where it's at, if it's up, if it's down. And he also will go rescue them. He just went and rescued one two days ago. If somebody is done and they want it taken down, he gives his back and his energy to cut that thing down and make sure it has a safe home. It's part of the preservation of the the art in this community. It was once the largest urban art project in the world, I believe. Yeah, and my I'm husband glad. was part of that. He yeah, got to he go was... put the signs up, and he's an artist, so it was a big part of um, his water that watered his seed to make him who he is. I'm glad he's here taking care of that and Me too. preserving his history. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that concludes my eight straight questions. I like to end, uh, Tracy, by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Well, I would love for listeners to check out the art scene. You know, um, my husband's art gallery is in my acupuncture clinic on 7th Street, And his place is called Invisible Genie Arts. And we have an art opening every two months. And we were able to continue to do that with the pandemic because we've got a beautiful parking lot that we have live music in and different vendors that sometimes will come. And and now we're down the street from Cleachy. So we're going to be working with them and doing some great stuff with them because Keegan is one of Matthew's really great friends. And so I just think the art scene needs more attention and more love because it is a great way to commune and step outside the box and look at other perspectives. I totally agree. Awesome. Tracy Mahana, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. All right. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Tracy for the interview. You can learn more about her work by looking up her acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic on Facebook. She also mentioned at the end her husband, Matthew's dynamite museum work and his efforts to preserve those signs. You can find more about that on Instagram at Dynamite Museum Official. Thanks to this week's sponsors, the WT Enterprise Center and Brick and Elm Magazine, and to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight every week. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarello. Heyamarello's executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Barbara and Jim Witten, Jess Heredia, Corey Burns, Griselda, Josh Wood, Wilson Lemieux, Patrick Burns, and Wes Reeves. This has been episode 210. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.